Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, please visit our website at yourgracepoint.com. That's point spelled with an E on the end, P-O-I-N-T-E. The website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Now, here's Pastor Aaron Zielinski. As you know, the last few years, we've kind of felt like God has put a word as kind of the main word for us to be to be looking at, to be focused on over the next year for both for, for Grace Point as a church, as a whole, but also for the individuals, the families, the people who are Grace Point, because you can't speak about the church without really knowing that you're talking about all of the individuals who make it up. Because Grace Point is not an institution, it's not an organization, it's not a building, it's not an address. Grace Point is the men, women, and children that are following Jesus together and who gather here weekly to worship our risen Lord together. That's who we mean when we talk about Grace Point. And so when, when we started two years ago, um, does anybody remember what our word was for that first year? We gave everybody a brick foundation. We needed to get the foundation first. If you think about the building process, the first thing you have to do is lay the foundation. Now, sometimes that means you have to do some demo. Sometimes you have to clear some things out, but you have to get a solid foundation established. And that's what we spent the first year uh, doing was establishing the foundation, making sure everything was foundational in place that needed to be. Last year, what was our word last year? Nobody. Somebody's got it. Come on. It starts with an S. Structure. Structure. It was coming. That was great. Um, once you get the foundation, you have to build the supporting structure. The main, the main frame, if you're talking about a house, you put the foundation, the concrete slab, then you build your, your frame and you frame in the exterior walls, you frame up the interior walls, divide the house the way that it needs to be. But then once you get the structure in place and all of your main things are there, then you've got to start the finishing process. And this year, we're going to be talking about the details, okay? This year, we want to be focused on the details of what's going on. And you can see there's, there's an expression. Everybody familiar with the expression, you know, the devil is in the details? Well, we're just going to fix that for everybody. The kingdom is in the details, okay? That's where we need to be focused on. The kingdom is in the details, Okay, we, we've got to be intentional and particular about what we're doing in our life and in our walk with Jesus and our witnessing in everything that we do, both personally and, and corporately. As a church, we can't just try to wing this thing and think that we're going to be accomplishing a mission that God on high has given us. Okay, that's not the, the way that we want to take it. God cares about how well we build things. God cares. There's a lot in scripture about building I don't know if you're aware of that, but there is a tremendous amount of scripture about building and about the details of it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, I've got a couple different scriptures I'm going to reference, um, only one or two that will be on the screen, so you could just make some um, notes of those. But in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is talking about the, ne- the need for unity within the body. Okay, yes, we know that individually we are the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives inside of each one of us. But what Paul is dealing with here in 1 Corinthians 3 is the church corporately as the body. When he says that you are the temple, it's, it's a plural you. Think of it as y'all, you know, good, good old. <laughs> y'all are the temple. 
right, as a group. But listen to what he says. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. In other words, he established the church in Corinth, and now somebody else is pastoring that church, building on his foundation. Let each one take care how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest or made known, revealed. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So the work that we do is going to be judged by God. And he's talking about the work here specifically of building the church, of establishing the unity of the church, the fruitfulness of the church, the effectiveness of the church, the corporate gathering of believers, and what he has called us to do in making his name known and making disciples of all nations. And if our work is going to be scrutinized by God on the day of judgment, we might want to be on the details with what we're doing and make sure we're doing it well. But it's not just the church. If you look in, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is talking about building. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house. See, we're not just coming up with our own imagery here. These are deeply ingrained in scripture. A man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great." So here we see in scripture where, where God speaks to us of the church needing to be well built because the building is going to be judged. We also see Jesus talk about building our life in him by doing the things that he says and says that it's only going to survive if it's well built. God cares how we build. He cares what we're building and how we go about it. And this year, we want to focus on fine-tuning the things that we're building in the Lord. We should all have foundational pieces in our life. We should all have main structural components to our life. But now, this is the year we want to focus in, zero in on the details, the fine-toothed comb, if you will, of it. So we're going to start looking at the importance of details to God in building beyond just those two places we referenced. You see it throughout scripture. And then we're going to apply this to, to the church at large, to families, as, and to individuals also. And ultimately, that's where the main thrust of it is, is individuals, because the church is made of individuals, families are made of individuals, and you don't get any kind of uh, systemic change, any kind of big change if the people don't change. You know, we can, we can pass all the laws we want, but we can make all the rules we want, but if, if people don't change, 
It doesn't really do any good. So first, let's look at details in Scripture. Scripture's where we always have to begin. Again, whenever churches often, you know, coming up with a vision for the year or a theme for the year is a very common thing, but we always want to make sure we're not just coming up with what we think is a good idea. You know, this isn't just, well, I think it'd be great if the church focused on this. It needs to be God's leading, and it needs to be something grounded in Scripture. Scripture is where everything begins. If it's not in Scripture, it's just not that important, and we don't need to be emphasizing it. And you know, that's how, pretty much how we roll. It's really been a bummer for me that it's been so long since we've been out of Matthew. You know, really, we were planning to do our vision Sunday, the Sunday we had that, the snow come. I would say blizzard, but you know, a quarter of an inch of snow isn't really a blizzard. <laughs> but it was enough that we realized nobody's going to be here. That's probably not a very good Sunday to do this. So it, um, I was hoping to already be a couple weeks into Matthew by now, but hey, that opened up the door for Pastor Sam to come, and that was a wonderful opportunity that we wouldn't have had. So I'm thankful for the way God has rearranged our schedule, but I'm excited to get back into Matthew. Have you ever read, anybody ever read through the whole Old Testament how did you enjoy reading the kind of the second half? You know, the Genesis and the first half of Exodus are great. I mean, great narrative. It's, it's a compelling storyline. It keeps you interested. You're hooked. And then you hit the second half of Exodus. Once they've come out of Egypt, they get out there, they collect up all the stuff that they've got, and, and God starts laying out the blueprints of how to build the lampstand how to build the altar, how to build the incense altar, how to build the tabernacle, the frames of the tabernacle, the curtains of the tabernacle. And if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, go take a look at it. Just skim through the second half of Exodus and then on through Leviticus and you learn every detail of how every sacrifice has to be done. If it's this kind of peace offering, it has to be this kind of an animal, this many years old, this male or female, this age, without blemish, and this is how you kill it, this is what you do with the, the fat lobe of the liver, and this is what you do with the kidneys, and this is what you do with the tail, and I'm, I'm not making that up. You can read it in Leviticus, it's there. And they don't say, for a grain offering or for, or for a burnt offering, see peace offering. No, they repeat everything step by step through all of them. And you could just always say, refer to the peace offering, but they don't. The detail is absurd. And then they talk about the clothing the priests have to wear, and they know what kind of, what color it is, what kind of fabric it is, how it has to be woven. The, the breast piece that he wears has a stone for each tribe, and, and they tell you each one several different times, and all the names have to be on them, and they have to wear a hat. And it is just absolutely ridiculous, the amount of detail all the way through there. And then Deuteronomy, do you know what the word Deuteronomy means? It means second law. So they repeat the entire law in Deuteronomy in all of its minutia again. God cares about detail. You know, we read that stuff, and I'm talking to, you know, Josiah is working on reading through the Bible this year, and, and it's been going great. And then you hit the second half of Exodus. It's, I know, but it's tough sledding to read through it. Because of the details, you get bogged down into it. But details matter to God when we're building. They really do, especially when God tells us how we're supposed to build it. He really cares that we build it the way he wants us to. 
And this is what I want to emphasize on this portion of scriptures and the details in them is look at Exodus chapter 25. I've got this up here. In this one part, he, he begins with this idea of a pattern and then he ends with it in verse 40. You can look at that in Exodus 25, verses 9 and 40. They're kind of bookends to this thing. And God tells Moses, and this is on the mountain. Remember, we learned that in, in Matthew, talking about the Great Commission. When, when God is speaking to somebody on the mountain, it's a big deal. Big, life-changing, God's plan, initiating things are happening on the mountain. God says, exactly as I show you according uh, concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. And then at the end, he says, and see that you make them after the pattern for them, which is being shown you on the mountain. So God literally gave Moses blueprints and said, it better be just right to the details. And this isn't something that we're just kind of handpicking out because we think it fits our narrative and what we want to do with the church. This is a big deal in scripture. You see it picked up twice in the New Testament. The first Christian martyr was a, a young man named Stephen, who was uh, one of the seven that they chose uh, to, to work with the 12. And he's about to get stoned, okay, because they're, they're going to kill him. And this is where it's about to happen. And as he's recounting the history of God's people and trying to make a point to them that Jesus really is the Messiah, look at what he says in Acts 7. He says, our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Now, when you're facing the Sanhedrin and, and this group of religious people that are persecuting you and mad enough to kill you, which they're about to do, why would you bother with a detail like that? Because it matters. They were doing things exactly the way God wanted them to do it. And then the writer to the Hebrews brings up the same. When Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. So ironically, we see a pattern of God giving us a pattern and expecting us to follow it in what we build concerning his things. And whenever things are repeated and highlighted in scripture like that, we need to pay attention. So what we want to do is we want to look for patterns that God has established for the church. We want to look at patterns that God has established for families. We want to look at patterns God has established for our lives as followers of Jesus and then make sure we stick to the details of those things that God has shown us. And so that's what we're going to do with the rest of this morning. We, we don't, again, we don't want to just be winging this thing as a church and just think, well, we're just going to, you know, do what works to make a church grow and this and that. And we're not, we're not about church growth. We're not about um, just being fancy and whatever else. We're about establishing a community of people who love Jesus and follow him together and are willing to obey the Great Commission to go make disciples right? That's it. And Jesus said in the midst of that, he said, I will build my church and he will do it. But we want to make sure we're following his pattern, not our own. So let's take a look at some details of the, the pattern we see in churches, 
right? When we think about Grace Point and what we're going to be doing, what are we going to be focusing on this year as a body? Uh, the pattern we see in scripture for churches that we've looked at already before talking about both uh, really kind of foundation and structure. In Acts chapter 2 verse 42, the earliest community of Jesus's followers, these were certain things that they were devoted to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the scriptures. These are the writings of the apostles. The fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And we've talked about those things and we've established certain structural elements of those things in the way that we do life together as a body of believers. But this year, we're going to focus on the details. We're going to start really evaluating what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we're doing it, and in the specifics of it. And if you normally come on Wednesday nights to prayer, you've seen some of the changes. Um, they're, they're slight changes. They're detail things. But they're making a big difference in the way we approach that time and the emphasis of that time. And so we've, we've made some adjustments to Wednesday night. If you don't normally come, I'd encourage you to start making some time to come and pray with us on Wednesday nights. You can never underestimate the, the impact of God's people praying together. Okay, it's powerful. There's power when we pray together and we lift our voices to God together, and we need to be doing that. With our life groups, you know, we push life groups a lot. We're going to mention them later at the end of service. If you're not in a group, you need to be in one. You're, you're missing out on an opportunity for growth, for fellowship, for encouragement, for hearing other people's opinions and perspectives. It's an incredibly um, powerful and good time for us to be together as believers in, in a life group. One of the things that we do is we, if you've seen a note paper, I didn't grab one. Does anybody have one of the little note papers? Um, you got one there? Thank you. Um, She's already got notes. This is great. Um, but it's just got um, a, the main points that we're going to be dealing with where you can write your notes. And on the back, there are usually three or four questions. And, and these are geared towards applying the scripture that we deal with in the sermon. Um, so for next week, you know, that first passage in Matthew chapter 5. Be reading it this week so when the sermon comes and the questions are there, you can fill those out and then discuss them with your life group. And we just work through seeing how can we apply this scripture to our lives and we talk through it together as a group of believers. And, and there are going to be things that you think that somebody else hasn't thought of. Thank you, Pastor Kyra. There are going to be things somebody else has thought of that you haven't and vice versa and talking through it is great. But one of the things I'm, I'm working on or we're working on is restructuring the way we do those questions. I feel like there are some ways that we can get more focused on, on the scripture itself and make sure we're keeping everything in context. I think there are better ways that we can bring application out of that, better ways that we can have kind of group, group think surrounding the scriptures and, and bounce things off of each other. And so we're, we're working on fine-tuning the way we handle some of those questions. We're also working on uh, going to be looking over things related to our constitution and bylaws. When, when I went through the interview process, the, the elders talked and they said, hey, we, we know some of this stuff needs updated. That's going to be one of the things the new pastor does. Well, we've got enough of the foundational and structural things in place. It's time to look over that. And if, if you're not aware, the only reason churches have constitutions and bylaws and board of directors and things like that is because of U.S. government regulations for us to be a 501c3 and not have to pay taxes. That's the only reason. There's nothing in scripture about a church constitution. That's not, I don't want to say it's unbiblical, but it's not biblical. 
Um, there's nothing about a, having a church board. You will never find church board in the Bible. You find councils of elders. That's in the Bible. We happen to have a council of elders that we just tell, you know, the IRS or, or government, whatever, that our, our council of elders doubles as the board of directors to fulfill their requirements. Uh, but we want to do things biblically. But since we have to have that, it's legal, it's binding. We want to make sure it's, uh, it's, it's up to speed in every way that it needs to be. The same with our membership. We're you know, over, overhauling the membership process, making sure it lines up with what we see in Scripture about a church and, and in line with everything else. And if you recall, um, generally as a church, one of the ways we feel that we best can put to words what God has called us to to fulfill the pattern of the way a church body should be lived out uh, we've got these little cards out on the table in the lobby. They've been out there for a while now. Um, on one side, it has our identity and our mission statement, and then on the other side, our strategy. And I just want to take a moment to read through these things and remind you that we need to keep this idea before us because this is who we are and what God has called us to do, and we need to be on the details of how we're doing this. In terms of our identity at Grace Point as God's people, we view ourselves as a loving community of believers who are following Jesus together. That's who we are. That's what we do. We're not just a bunch of people that show up at the same place on Sunday morning. Okay, that's not it. We are, we are a loving community of, of believers who follow Jesus together. Right, we're following him together. We worship together, but that's not the extent of it. And I would say that if all we do is meet here on Sundays and worship together and then see each other the next time we come to worship together, we're missing out on what it really means to be followers of Jesus because we're not doing it together if that's it. Our mission is to glorify God by introducing people to Jesus and helping them learn to follow him in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our goal. You, know, you talk about witnessing it's really not this great big, oh, we need an evangelism class and we need seminars on this. No, look, you introduce people to Jesus and help them learn how to follow him. It's really very simple. And really all you've got to do is say, hey, this is Jesus. We can follow him together. I'll help you. We'll do it together. That's what it is to make disciples. You go introduce them to Jesus and follow him together. And the strategy, the way we think we can best accomplish these things in no particular order, teaching scripture, strengthening families, equipping missionaries, cultivating community, worshiping God, engaging neighbors, and training believers. We absolutely believe training. Training is a very biblical, biblical thing, but training, you know, you've got to be on the details of what you're training. You often hear practice makes perfect, and then somebody corrects them and says what? Perfect practice makes perfect. Because if you keep practicing the wrong thing, you're not really helping yourself at all. But that's what we want to do. As a church, we're going to be looking through just all of the different things that we do and evaluating how can we do this better, more faithfully to the pattern we see in Scripture. But what about details in your family? And this is where, you know, some of that stuff should still be kind of hitting home, but this is where it really starts to hit home, hopefully for everybody, talking about your family. And even if you're thinking, well, I'm single, you still have family. There, there are still family members you have around, whether they're you know, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, cousins, parents, whatever. It's not just people that live inside of your residence together. 
Family is family, and it transcends a lot of that. But marriage and family are the most basic units of God's creation. You know, when you think about humanity, we, we are primarily, when you think of a community, it, it's a bunch of families that are doing something together. And that starts with marriages. When you, I love looking at, at anything that we can glean from Genesis before the fall. Anything in Genesis chapters one and two and, and very early in chapter three um, really show what God had in mind. And one of the things that we see in scripture is God's emphasis on he created Adam and Eve and he made this, this union between them of a marriage. And that's the building block, the most basic building block of humanity is a marriage between a husband and a wife. And then he blessed them and told them to multiply and fill the earth. So before sin enters humanity, you see God creating and sanctifying marriage and family. That's a part of his plan. Before there was a state, before there was a nation, before there was a kingdom, before there was a township, before there was a city, there was a husband and a wife who were told to have a family. That's the most basic thing, and that's why we see Satan attack marriage and families in the biggest ways, because that's the, where, where things really, really begin. So we see some of that in the garden, but we also see something in what Jesus referred to as the greatest commandment given in all of Scripture. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, later Jesus would refer to this as the greatest commandment. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. But listen to how he follows this up. That's the greatest commandment, to love God with all of your being. He says, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Okay, that's the first thing. Every parent, every husband, every wife, these things have to be on your heart. That's number one. Not just something we do, not just something we, we talk about occasionally, but they've got to be on our heart, on the innermost part of our being. And he says, then you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the road, when you lie down and when you rise. That's how a family is supposed to function. Parents diligently teaching the ways of God to their children. Not half-heartedly teaching them. Not saying, well, I dropped them off at kids' church or I took them to youth group. You, as a parent, are the primary teacher of your children. We, we will do everything we can to help you with that. We will do everything we can to minister to the kids that we have as, as much as God gives us the grace to do. But we can never substitute for you as mom and dad. We can't do it. It doesn't say, and then you shall let the, the youth pastor and the children's workers diligently teach them to your children. That you'll, you won't find that. But you hear him say to parents, teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house. You know, they, 
they didn't sit as much as we do. They, if they were sitting, you know, they were like reclining at table. So you talk about them when you eat. You talk about them when you walk, when you travel places, when you lie down, before you go to bed, when you rise, when you get up in the morning. You know what this is meaning? All day long. Every facet of life, whether you're, and, and that still takes place. You still wake up. You still put kids to bed. You still sit around the table to eat. At least we should. Uh, we still travel. We got a lot of time in the car. Are we talking about the things of the Lord? Are we diligently training our children and teaching them to walk in his ways? Those are the details we need to get on as parents. This year, I want to encourage you, focus on the details of how well you are doing this with your children. You know, and he even brings up later in verse 20 uh, about these different things that they do. He says, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded us? What's all this about? He says, then you will say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out and and goes on that we recount what God has done for us in salvation. Those are things we've got to be talking to our children and our families about. So I want to encourage you, as, as spouses, evaluate your marriage and your roles and the way you function as a husband and as a wife and hold it up in light of Scripture. Some places you could look would be Ephesians chapter 5 is probably the best one. 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, there are places where we see husbands and wives discussed in Scripture. We need to look at the pattern God has given us and see how we can be on the details of implementing that and being that within our lives. And the same for parents. Be intentional. Be godly. Don't think that, you know, you're, some people say, well, it's better caught than taught. But it has to be taught. You know, just like people say, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. That's a really cool saying. It's not very biblical. Like, we have to use words. We're told to go be witnesses, to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his light. There's no such thing as a silent witness. I mean, I get it. Our life has to show his light. But we can never think that substitutes for us speaking the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. And that's true of our children, too. We can't just think, well, they're going to watch my life and grow up and and do what I do. If you're not teaching them, no, they won't. Because they're learning things from people. You might want to make sure they're learning most from you. Teach them to walk in the Lord's ways and intentionally train your families. But now again, here we come to the details in your own life. Remember, everything starts with these things being on your heart. They have to be on your heart. This is the most important thing of all of it because systemic change flows from personal change, not policy change. Okay? We can't change anything about the church if if you and I don't actually change because we are the church. Your family will never change if you don't change. And I, I just want to break some bad news to you. In order for things to change, that means they can't stay the same. I just want to make sure that connection's there because we like to think about change and we want to make things better, but we want to keep everything the same. And, and you can't have it both ways. And, and change means pain because change means you acknowledge something either wasn't good or could be better and you have to admit that and then you have to make intentional effort to do it better and different. But that's where it comes. 
we have to be willing to personally be different. And that's something that we have to continuously do and be throughout it. But we can make all of the, you know, we can change everything in our constitution and bylaws. We can change our mission statement. We can change our strategy. We can change our identity statement. We can change all of that stuff. But if, if none of it impacts a single person, then what? So we have different words on a card. That's it. But if we really want to see difference, we have to change. And again, I want to point back to, to Jesus's comments in, in Luke chapter six, where he said that that house that was built on him by doing what he says withstood because it was well built. And remember, that's doing what he says. He didn't say, the one who memorizes every command that I've given and can quote them back to me with chapter and verse, his house will stand. He didn't say that. He said, the one who hears these words of mine and does them, his house is built well, solid on the foundation. So we've got to be doing the things that Jesus taught us. Remember the Great Commission. He didn't say, teach them everything I've commanded. He said, teach them to observe, to obey everything I've commanded. It has to be lived. It can't just be things that we memorize, things that we get on with there. And, and so the pattern we see in Scripture for this living that really ties in with what Jesus said is, is the Great Commission to be fully immersed in God's being. That needs to describe your life, that you are immersed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, totally submerged in him. And then you've got to observe everything that he commanded. And not only that, but that's how you, you make a disciple, which means that's how you are a disciple. But then the beginning of that was to go make disciples. So we immerse ourselves in Jesus. We, uh, we learn to obey everything he, he commanded and taught us. And then we go and we help other people meet him and follow him with us. That's the pattern that we see. Jesus summed it up with two great commandments. One we already looked at, love God with all of your being. And what's the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. And when the smart aleck in the crowd said, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus told a story that made the point that everybody is your neighbor. Because they want to say, well, I should only be loving these people, right? Jesus said, no. No, you need to love everybody. And not just with that. See, Christians, we're good at saying the right things. But, oh, yeah, well, I love everybody. But, but Jesus didn't say, you know, the one who said all the right things, their house was well built. It's the one who does it. So we can say we love people, but do our actions affirm that? Do the details of our life really show that we love these other people that we engage with? Because the greatest kind of love is sacrificial love. That's the kind of love that God gives to us. He's, it's sacrificial. That means it will cost you something, it will hurt you, and it will inconvenience you, and you don't get the benefit from it. It's for somebody else's benefit but that's love. See, God loved us that way when he sent Jesus to, to die for us. We talked about that with communion, but, it, 
it inconvenienced him. He had to give up a lot of his privileges of being in heaven and being on the throne and, and setting aside his certain attributes, choosing not to engage them, to come and take on a body, to be a human, to deal with all the, this stuff. It, it inconvenienced him. It cost him. The pain was terrible, not just the physical pain of crucifixion. Uh, that, that's miserable, but thousands of other people had been crucified by the Romans. He didn't endure anything physically more than other human beings haven't. But he endured this spiritual and emotional turmoil that's beyond words dealing with and becoming. Scripture says he became sin, who knew no sin, that we could become the righteousness of God. He took on the wrath of the Father by becoming sin and paying for it all. That hurt. He didn't want to go through it. He, he sweat blood praying that he wouldn't have to go through with that. But he did. It, it inconvenienced him. It hurt him. And he made no benefit from it. It was our, he had nothing to gain. He's God. He has no lack we benefited from it all. So when you're loving people, when you're truly loving with the God kind of love, it's sacrificial. Evaluate your life. Where do you see sacrificial giving, this is inconveniencing me, but it's for somebody else's good kind of love, and how can we do that more? Because when we're doing that, then we're honoring and glorifying God because we're truly fulfilling what he's called us to be as his people. So I just want to encourage you, be intentional. Evaluate your life, evaluate your family, evaluate your marriage, and make some notes. Talk about it as a family. Write down a couple, you know, three, four things and say, these are the things we want to change about the details of our marriage, of our family life, of my personal life over this next year. Develop a game plan. Okay, you, you've got to be intentional. You've got to say, uh, okay, if I want to change this area of my life, how am I going to do that? Step one here, step two here, step three here, and, and then execute the game plan. You know, we talk about Marine Corps infantry leadership. The last step is uh, supervise, oversee it, execute it. Make sure the plan is actually carried out. Because if you do all your planning and you don't follow the plan, you haven't helped yourself or anybody else really at all. As a reminder, to help you with this throughout the year, um, we've got these little wood, wood carving tools that you use for very fine, detailed work. And if you can see it, it it's got the, the church logo and it has the word details on it. We're going to give everybody one of these. On your way out, we're going to have uh, somebody on each side of the doors back there with some buckets of these. Everybody take one of these, okay? Everybody take one. Put it somewhere you'll see it throughout your day-to-day your -day happenings. And just remember to be on the details of what God has called you to. Be looking at the patterns we see in Scripture, not the patterns we see in the news, not the patterns we see in pop culture, not the patterns we see in movies. We're talking about the patterns we see from God in His Word, and then be on the details of how our life and our families and our following Jesus together as a church goes in line with it because details matter to God and we want to be on them. So throughout this year, let's be thinking about the details and praying for ourselves and for others that God would help us hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he leads us in what details he wants to work on in us and through us 
to glorify His name and to further His kingdom. Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, the website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Until next time, God bless you.